is very good news, my friends. And that's what we've come to do today, to remember through our prayers and through our songs and through scripture uh, and through a sermon that God um, is present in this world, to remember together all the things that he's done for us and to live in response to him. Um, What I'm saying is what we are here to do together this morning is church, right? And church is both what happens when we gather like this on a Sunday, but it's also all of the other things that you can read about in your bulletin, (laughs) which I want to highlight for you in case you are new uh, or visiting with us. Um, There's a number of things that are starting. Uh, Fall is in the air as the weather outside today lets us know. Uh, Wasn't it beautiful this morning? That was a welcome change, yeah. Um, And along with that change also are a number of things starting in the life of our congregation. We want you to know about them. That's why there's two pages full of announcements in this bulletin, and we could not possibly go over them all now together, but there are a couple I want to highlight for you. One is uh, that women's Bible study starts tomorrow morning, uh, and also starting this week is a new members uh, gathering uh, group and class. Uh, That starts on Wednesday night at the same time as our midweek, which is when our GEMS and cadets and middle school youth group meet as well. If you are interested in knowing what it means to be a member of Pleasant Street or ready to start a conversation about that, uh, send me an email and let me know. I think the information should be in here. If you have trouble, you can find our information on the website. So that starts on Wednesday. Women's Bible study starts tomorrow morning. And uh, you may have noticed that we've been trying to feature a couple of our new ministries at the start of this year, and so I have one for you today. But to do that, I'm going to need a couple of friends. So I want to invite Mel and Ruth to come up for a second, and they're going to talk to us about high school youth group. Welcome to the front, everyone. Come on over. Come on over. There's plenty of room to share up here. Mel, can I hand that to you? Sure. So good morning, guys. How are you, Ruth, Mel? Uh, you guys are part of high school, uh, high school youth group, part of the leadership for that, right? Okay, great. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about w- uh, when does it meet and what are you going to be doing this year? Okay, that's my question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we meet um, the first and third Sundays of every month for okay. a Bible study at night. Yeah. So we meet here downstairs in the foundation, and that's 6.30 to 8.30. Um, last year it was 6.30 to 8, but we realized we didn't have enough time, so we're going to add another half hour. Yeah. So um, basically during that time we'll do, you know, just kind of a, like hang out for a little while. They get to kind of catch up with each other. They've probably seen each other this morning, but then there was each other again. And then now uh, we have the Bible study. We also have Steve and Kate Martinka who are doing it with us as well as Iona Buma and Wendy Groot. Yeah. So um, Steve does the music. So we added that at the end of last year, which was awesome. Thank you, Steve. The kids love it. So we have about four or five praise songs that we sing and um, have snacks. The kids like to eat. Yeah. So, um, and then the second and the fourth Sunday of the month in the morning at 8.30, they have breakfast downstairs yep. in the foundation. Yep. So, so we meet. It's every every week we actually end up meeting. So, and it we, alternates. It's and it alternates. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the first and third is Bible study. The second and fourth is just breakfast, and I think that's merely just breakfast and hanging out. So and that's generally with um, council members yeah. as well, right? So instead of us all the time. Yeah. They don't want me to cook them breakfast. <laughs> 
Everyone has their, has their gifts, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, thank you, guys. Um, so who can come? Like, who, who's able to be part of the youth group? Okay. Um, anyone that wants to come may come. We hope that the kids will invite, you know, if they're from our church, we hope that they'll invite others to come. We're, we're open to that. We love having people from different congregations. Yeah. So it's an open, it's open an open door. group. Yeah. Open okay. Door. Right. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Um, so in addition to the every other week things that you're doing throughout the year, what other kinds of special trips or events have, have you guys done in the past? Do you have any plan this year? We, we, had, <laughs> we wrote down quite a few different things, some of which I've never heard of before. But um, like rollerblading or mm, okay. roller skating, ice skating. Last year we tried to do a couple things during the winter, but our kids are extremely busy with school. So a lot of times that kind of entered in. Yeah. Um, Berea was a huge success. That's yeah. a retreat in February, I believe. Yeah. And the right. middle school and, and high school went this year, which would be um, coming. We're, we're learning as we go. You know, last year was, okay, we're in this. We're going to do it. And this year we hope to do Berea again. Yeah. We're also looking at serve in mm -hmm. Probably Canada, that seems to be the closest one, but we'd like to go and serve on okay. serve this year. Yeah, that's great. Those are a couple long-range plans, February and then next summer as well. Yeah, thank you. One last question for you guys. Uh, what's something that you've come to love about high school youth group, and what's something you're looking forward to this year? Looking forward to growing closer to the kids and seeing them grow as, as we're all nurtured by the word. Um, what's been great for me is I do children's worship and then all of a sudden there's like that blank and this way I see those kids again all grown up yeah. and um, as young Christians and I love that part. Yeah. Um, I think pretty much the same as Ruth, you know, growing up in this church and, you know, probably having these kids in the nursery and now, you, you know, getting to know them at the high school age. And I think just, I would personally, like, we, I got to go to Berea last year and it was great. I was kind of like, ooh, a retreat with, like, 200 kids, you know, but it was really good because it gave us a chance to have a little bit of a more bonding time, you know. I think more of the activities that we have with them, too, you know, and... Also, just encourage us as a church, um, just because we're the leaders doesn't mean that we need to be the only home base for those kids. They need the church family. And I know with Serve last year, there was a couple of young men who wanted to go on Serve, but they didn't get to go because we didn't have an adult leader that could go with them. A male. A male leader, yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you guys feel like you want to step up and do a Serve project, think about that. Or um, we also want to do... Um, Prayer partners. We were going to do that last year. We never got that going. So there's a lot of envisions that we have that hopefully this year we can put into place. So That's wonderful. Thank you guys so much. Uh, let's thank these brave folks here. This is a theme we've heard before, right? But one of the gifts of a church like this is, is the generations. Um, seeing throughout our lives um, people growing up, seeing them own their faith in uh, doing all of this in the presence of God. And with that in mind, friends, I'd invite you to rise in body and spirit and worship our God who is faithful through all generations. Joyful, joyful, we adore you. God of glory, Lord of love. 
Hearts unfold like flowers before you, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. All your works with joy surround you, earth and heaven reflect your rays. Stars and angels sing around you, center of unbroken praise. Field and forest, vale and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea.
those walls that we called sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But He came and He died and He rose. Those walls are broken down. Remember those giants we called death and They stood in our way, but he came and he died and he rose. Those giants are dead now. This is our God, this is who he is, he loves us. This is our God, this is what he does, he saves us. Before the cross, come before God this morning aware that we have fallen short of what God desires of us. Please join me in this confession. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
We confess that often we have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We have broken your law. Please take a moment in a silent confession to God. And this is God's assurance of pardon. This comes from Titus 3, verses 4 through 8. It said here, But when the kindness of love of God our Savior appeared, he saves us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, who poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might be, have become heirs of, of the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy worthy saying. Now please join me in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. Is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I'd like to invite the deacons to come up for our offering this morning. Our offering is for our ministries here at Pleasant Street. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We're here to worship you, Lord. You made us in your image. You created us out of a generosity. I pray that we have generosity. You made us to have faithfulness. And I pray that we have a faithfulness, Lord. As we give this morning, may it show that, that we're faithful to you, Lord, and that we love you. In your name we pray, amen. Oh, my God. 
Friends, we come to church, and we get to confess to God, and we hear an assurance of pardon, and we get a chance now to pass the peace with each other. So friends, the peace of Christ is with you. Kid Street kids come up. All right. People of God, what is our prayer? to love and serve Jesus. Good morning, my good friends. 
It is uh, my honor to lead us this morning in, in uh, the morning congregational prayer. My name is Chuck McGrath. I'm an elder here at Pleasant Street. We offer our prayers together now, uniting our voices with Christ, who perfects our prayers. Let us join in prayer, offering our praise, thanksgiving, and intercession to God. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, and Holy Spirit, we gather here this morning to worship you. You are the judge, holy and true. You are the most high God. You give us life. You hold all power in your hands. You are the mighty one God who carries the world and is the ruler over all the earth. We thank you for the great gifts of this church community and all the people who have been touched by your grace here. Keep us from our purely self-serving behavior and stir us to serve those people who most need your mercy. We pray for the council and leaders, and bless their lives and their service, energize their souls, grant them to the, the desire to grow in faith and inspire others. Help us to make right decisions so that our community may be a fount of life for many generations to come. We ask a blessing on the pastor and his family. We thank you for our volunteers, our teachers, our musicians, the staff here at Pleasant Street, and others who serve. Thank you for their faithful service. Bless our congregation as we move forward with the elder and deacon nominations. We ask that you move the hearts of those asked to serve your people in love. We ask your help in filling positions that have opened up in our church, Lord. Thank you, God, for the joy of today. It is still morning, and yet so many things have come our way. The joy of shelter, the joy of clean water coming out of the tap, the joy of food on the table, Thank you for friends who understand us and the joy of meeting new friends. Thank you that we are here in church, body and spirit. Thank you for the joy of worshiping you, our creator. And in the midst of joys, in all honesty, we admit that we come with fears. Some of us have fears about new beginnings, new schools, new relationships, new jobs. We don't know how we'll do or how we'll feel. We are nervous and want to, things to go well. There are fears about health, aches and pains that won't go away, symptoms that are unexplained, treatments that we hope will be effective. Some of us have financial fears. Will we find work or will our works be secure? How will we pay the bills? Have we saved enough for the future? And then there is the fear of loneliness that strikes us all at some point. We fear, we fear that we won't find people to love or that we'll lose the people we do love. God of hope, thank you that you are with us in all our fears and that you bring joy even in the midst of them. Thank you for the faithfulness 
your faithfulness through time, for the ways you have been there for us in the past and that nothing can separate us from your love. Help us this week to have compassion for those who fear, for those who feel bombshells and bullets, for those who face governments that are oppressive, for those who cannot worship openly but must meet in secret. In our own community, there are people who live with fear of violence. Help us to be people of refuge, who offer help and support, and who go the extra mile when we see people in need. Forgive us for the times we have been too wrapped up in our own fears and joys to truly see our neighbor. Help us this week to embrace joyful living, being mindful of the gifts of each day, remembering our Savior Jesus Christ who lives in us and through us. We pray for those who mourn and grieve for those of loved ones. There are many at this time. We think of Bernie W. and the Rooks, VC, Hank E. and Jerry K. families. We pray for those who live in retirement communities and are shut in at this time. We think of Mike B. and Thea T. and others. They're, may the, they always feel our loving embrace. Let us pray for our church community and all those among us who are struggling with major challenges in their life. We think of Carol L. who went back into the hospital. We think of Josh G. and his challenges. Lord, be with them this very moment and give them the strength they need. Lord, have mercy on them. Let us pray for those who are traveling and enjoying recreation and those gathering here and those absent, that through our joy, we may bring joy into the world. Oh God, we thank you for those who have found a new spiritual home here at Pleasant Street. Continue to bless them in their life's journey, nourishing their souls and being a light onto their path. May they live lives be enriched through ministry and community. May they each bring gifts into the, your service. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day of rest and this opportunity to restore our souls, strengthen our desire to keep your day holy and help us to resist the urge to be busy at all times. Lord, our God, we thank you for the moments of revelation and insight. Let us be patient during all the other times when we don't hear your voice so clearly and seem to lose sight of our calling. Let us be faithful during these times. May we be given the faith to know that you will give us what we need at the time when we need it. Help us to know you are always with us, using us to do your work and loving us. Oh God, this is what we long for. We ask a blessing on the sermon this morning. Open our ears that we may hear your word and be blessed by it. For your love and goodness, we give you thanks, O God. Lord, have, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. 
Good morning. Our reading this morning is from Matthew 22, 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the word of the Lord. So I have a relatively unique vantage point for assessing the spiritual health of North America. Just a you know, little task, not a big deal. Uh, I teach theology at various colleges in the area and in Iowa for the last couple of years. And I teach mostly to students who don't want to be in my classes. That is, they are there because this is, you know, a requirement at the college that they're going to, a Catholic institution here in Massachusetts, a semi-reformed institution back in Iowa. And the students are there because the administration, in its wisdom, has said, you need to know something about the Christian faith. And so my students are there mostly against their will, some of them there because they actually care, and the net effect of all of it is that I am becoming more and more convinced that we don't know culturally the great Christian story. Now, I'm hardly the first person to notice this or the first person to ring the warning bells on this, that there is this spiritual illiteracy in the world that we live in, and that spiritual illiteracy is really rather close to home. Now, perhaps if you are here in church or listening in right now, I am preaching to the choir to those least at risk of this great problem. But even so, there is a danger for us, a challenge to us. Although we have heard this great Christian story, the story of a good creation damaged by human sinfulness. Story of a need for divine redemption because we cannot save ourselves and a story that insists God has come and given us a Savior in Jesus Christ. That great story, the risk for us is that that great story becomes just another story. Rather than the story, rather than our story, rather than the story that changes everything. The central question for us is whether that great Christian story will spark us to seek and love God, whether it will shape us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because that's what this story requires of us. So to think about this a little bit more this morning, I want to think about love. This great command that we read in Matthew 22, to love God with heart, soul, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves. What we love says something about us. If nothing else, what we love says something about our preferences. That is, when we're talking about the things that we love, we're talking about things that we would choose to fill our lives with.
to the extent that we can, to the extent that the world depends on what we want and what we choose. And if you look at our choices, our preferences, you get some vision of what makes us tick. Love, in the biblical sense, in the Old Testament sense, is not just about preferences. There's more to it. My friend and professor at Boston College, David Vanderhoeft, says that in the Old Testament, the word love is about your choices, about the, the core direction, the things that you must have. He says that if you track love in the Old Testament, you find that it's used in situations in which a person has a choice. A person is said to love someone, usually when they can choose to love someone else. So Isaac loves Esau and not Jacob. So that only by theft does Jacob get what was promised to him. Jacob loves Rachel and not Leah. In one case, Leah has to buy a night with her own husband from Rachel. If you pause to think about it, there's just a little bit of dysfunctionality in how that family is working. Then Jacob loves Joseph and not his brothers. He has 12 sons to choose from, and he chooses, and they know it. So what happens in these stories when you love? These choices are made to benefit the object of their affection. Now, we can question whether the choices actually have the effect they're supposed to have, but we can see the results. So Joseph gets the expensive coat. Joseph is given the foreman's job, even though he's a 17-year-old spoiled brat with brothers that have to be pushing 30. It makes no sense to the outside observer. It might even backfire. But that's what love looks like in that family. The choices are made to benefit. The choices are made solely for the one that is the focus of your love. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, which Jesus quotes in Matthew 22, the issue of love comes up yet again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your power. Commentators have long noted that this language mirrors political language in the ancient Near East. That is, Neo-Assyrian kings like Esarhaddon wrote treaties with their subordinates that demanded that their subordinates love them. And the treaty would spell out what this love means. Loving a king like Esarhaddon or his son, the crown prince Ashurbanipal, would mean that you support the crown prince against any potential threat to his reign. You go to war to support the crown prince's claim to the throne. You turn in anyone who's trying to arrange a coup. You extradite fugitives on the run from the king. You turn in people who are grumbling against the king. If you love the king, your every action has to be pro-king. Not neutral. For the king. And nothing against. When Deuteronomy 6 says, You shall love the Lord your God with heart, soul, and strength, this is what it means. Your choices, your every choice, 
is for the good of your king. And Deuteronomy is written to people who can think of other alternatives. Their world is full of gods. Baal is out there. And throughout the Old Testament, there will be that challenge. Will you seek to find your security in some other god? The other gods of Canaan, El, Yam, Mot, goddesses like Astarta or Anat. There are the gods and goddesses of Egypt. There are the gods and goddesses of Mesopotamia, Marduk or Nabu, or Shamash or Ishtar or Hadad. Their world is full of gods. And you shall love the Lord your God. The alternatives are not even to be considered. There is no hedging your bets, no dancing between the Lord and Baal. Ahab will try to do that. Elijah will say that's a non-starter. So when we get to Matthew 22, we see Jesus in conversation with the Pharisees. As they are trying to take him down, trying to undermine him, trying to get him to trip up in some way so that they will look like the ones who understand the will and the law of God and Jesus does not, they ask, well, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Which of your children do you like most? When did you stop beating your wife? Can you play the game the way we play the game. A later rabbinic Jewish tradition plays the game of trying to summarize the law with one passage of Scripture or another. That is, the rabbis will demonstrate their mastery of Scripture by doing exactly the thing they ask Jesus to do here. And so, one will suggest that Psalm 15 summarizes the law with 11 statements. While Micah 6 verse 8 does better, it summarizes it in only three, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. But Isaiah 56, ah, Isaiah 56 gets it down to two. Maintain justice and do what is right. And then Amos 5, according to one rabbi, gets it down to one. Seek me and live. Can you play the game that we're playing? Can you summarize all of what God wants in just one thing. They're daring Jesus to beat them at their own game. And, Matthew says, he does. I've wondered if the Pharisees might have thought Jesus was cheating just a little bit because he gives two answers when they asked for one. Love the Lord your God with heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. On the other hand, the word for love, the exact form is the same in both of those passages. So I can easily imagine that the hearers of this conversation would have thought, nice, well done, well stated. The great commandment is that you love. So, so what? What does that mean for us? We've heard this language before. This is one of the parts of our story that comes up fairly often. Well, Jesus, like Deuteronomy, is talking about a love that means choices. We might be tempted to reduce it to other ways that we talk about love. Love is about feelings, and I should feel reverence for God. I should feel 
awe and wonder at who God is. And that's not wrong. But affections are really easy to profess where choices get you into trouble. I might not have any particularly strong feelings about the Boston Celtics, but I will get in trouble with my sons who do. Nathaniel, rather pro-Celtics. Michael, okay, perhaps has inherited my antipathy. I'm not from around here. And when it's the playoffs and the Celtics just lost, how do I dance between those choices when at breakfast one of them is happy and the other one is not? If you have to take a side, if you have to choose, things get sticky. When Jesus says, love God with everything you got, that puts me at risk. There are other things that are competing for that time. There are other choices that I might make. There are other things, people, gods, idols that I might make. Our other gods might not be supernatural beings. We're not pulling out the list from the dictionary and seeing, oh, I think I'll try Allah today. But if you look at our choices, you see that we are attracted to by what we spend our discretionary money on, by what we do in our spare time, by the toys that we buy and the cravings we indulge. When Jesus says, Love your neighbor as yourself. That means that my choices have to be other-focused. If I love my neighbor as myself, it means that I have to make choices that benefit my neighbor, just like Jacob is trying to benefit Joseph with that expensive robe and making him the foreman over his brothers. I have to love my neighbor neighbor as naturally as I would make choices that benefit myself. This is the golden rule, essentially. Do to others as you would have them do to you. But it challenges me. It raises the bar beyond what I would want to do. James will say in chapter 2 of his letter, if a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs... What is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. I cannot claim to love my neighbor as myself if there is no action to back it up. How far does that go? Can I say you should be sending your kids to a Christian school without putting some of my money where my mouth is? Can I see a natural disaster on TV? without doing something about it? What about the homeless guy I drive past as I hurry to my class at Assumption? Whether you like those examples or not, whether you think that it's more complicated than that, it's at the very least the kind of thinking that Jesus imposes on us. Loving my neighbor is about the choices that I make, and my choices have to be made not simply for how they benefit me and my own.
And so it's this that perhaps makes me worry about our connection to the great Christian story. Because the great Christian story ultimately battles against myself. Of the alternative stories that we might turn to in our contemporary North American world, the single greatest threat is the one that says, I am the center of the universe, and everything else should revolve around my interests. It's a story served up to us daily on our phones and devices with their personalized preferences. My personal news feed, I can choose what part of the world I want to hear about. I can choose the stories that interest me. Or my chosen distractions, the games that I play, that will distract me the way I want to be distracted and serve up little dollops of my own preferred reality. The genius of our self-distraction is it doesn't really matter what the distraction is as long as it keeps us distracted long enough to spend some money on it. We are catered to in a system that puts self in the center. And then if the real world doesn't stop hassling me, if it doesn't conform to the system that I have created, then it may be sacrificed. Truth, church, neighbor, democracy, everything must go. We live in a world that is built on selfishness. And the great Christian story is incompatible with that kind of selfishness. Long ago as he wrote his book, The City of God, Augustine suggested that all of human history can really be divided along these lines. He writes, If we are to discover the character of any people, we have only to examine what it loves. At another point, he writes, Two cities have been created by two loves, that is, the earthly city by love of self, extending even to contempt of God, and the heavenly by love of God, extending to contempt of self. This is what Jesus is challenging us with when he tells us what the greatest commandment is. He puts the challenge to us in stark terms. What do my choices say about who and what I love. Because ultimately, if it is God that I love, it will put the squeeze on myself. And if it's the self that I love, it will ultimately squeeze out God. Let us pray. Gracious God, Help us to be so shaped by our encounter with Jesus, by your word and spirit, that what grows in us is the life of Jesus Christ. Help us to put to death the things that would squeeze you out 
Help us to sacrifice our will, our desires, in order to do yours. And because this is hard for us to do, give us your grace. Strengthen us. Be with us. Guide us. Walk with us every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Now have a time of uh, reflection for our ECHO students. This is grades three through five. They're invited to come up to be dismissed for ECHO time. People of God, what is our prayer? Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Please rise and body your spirit as we continue to worship.
people of God hear his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.
Go now in peace and love to serve Jesus Christ.